So tonight we are talking uh, still on the subject of emotional health, but um, I want to speak to us tonight on the church and the emotional health of the church or the body of Christ. Um, It is important that we are emotionally healthy, not only as a church, but as an individual, because individuals make up families and families make up congregations. So we understand that emotional health is important uh, in our lives. We know that spiritual health is a vertical pursuit. My spiritual health is vertical. It's me and God. It's it's just me and him. It's, that's my relationship. That's, ver- that's spiritual health. It's vertical. Financial health has been spoken about in the past couple weeks and is a purpose lifestyle combined uh, with constraints and the desires of life. It is death. So spiritual is vertical and financial gives us death. So tonight we're going to talk about emotional health is going to be presented as both internal and horizontal. So when you talk about emotional health, our mind immediately goes to someone who has uh, maybe a mental problem or uh, a, a Uh, something going on in their mind that it's not normally them. But that's not what we're going to try to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about being healthy in our whole body. Everybody say my whole body. Because if I'm emotionally healthy as a person, it affects me and it affects everybody in front of me. So tonight we're going to look into how to become and remain emotionally healthy in the church. How we as the people of God, the church of the living God, can become emotionally healthy as the body of Christ. It's hard for us, we hear and we say amen when we say that we are the body of Christ, but truly we are the body of Christ. We amen that because in theory we understand we are his hands and we are his feet, we are his mind, we are uh, the thought process that propels the gospel forward, but truly If we are a church, we have to be healthy. Amen. So tonight, with the help of the Lord, we're going to explore just a few ways that we can become emotionally healthy so that the church or the body of Christ functions at its greatest potential. It is the will of God for the church to be the greatest it can be and, and exceed the greatest potential for the day and the hour in which we live. The greatest commandment calls us to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven and 39. Our greatest commandment is number one, that we love the Lord our God. That's vertical. We do it with our heart, all of our soul, and our mind. Not only do I do it for myself, and then he goes on to say that I shall love my neighbor, the person in front of me. That's the horizontal, as myself. To do this, we have to pay very close attention to the health and well-being of the whole person. This is intentionally needs to include our minds, our bodies, and our emotions. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20. Paul reminds us what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, 
which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Verse 20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So to say that emotional health is not important is not a correct statement because we are to glorify God in our body and in our spirit because they both have been bought with a price. In this directive from Paul to the Corinthian church, people that are in the church, people that have obeyed the gospel, that we are to worship God with our complete person, which means our mind, our body, and our spirit. When we come to church, we're just not mindless creatures that just come and we robotically lift our hands. We have to put forth effort when we come to church. Amen. There's sometimes we come in the house of God and I'll be honest, I, I don't, I'm tired. I don't, I, I don't feel like lifting my hands or jumping for joy or, you know, I'm, I've hit that plateau of age where what can ache will ache. I think that maybe that's not the right Bible, but that's my Bible that I believe with ankles and knees creaking. I walk downstairs and it sounds like I'm popping popcorn and it don't, don't get old. It's not fun. We, I tell my kids all the time, I said, don't rush, stay in school. I wish I could go back and be what I was at 18, but know what I know now. I'd have been a whole lot better on this, this glorious temple that God gave me. Amen. Don't get, I felt a spirit of jealousy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but we are too. To understand and worship God with our complete person. That includes my mind. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. See, your mind is the highest ground. And that's why that's where the battle takes place. Everybody thinks it's the valley. That's where the physical part of the battle comes. It's on the mountain when we think everything is going good. That, that's where we really have to engage our mind and we have to be locked into prayer and locked into, into reading the word and locked into fellowship one with another because it's on the mountain where we actually win the battle with our mind. It's in the valley where our body is put forth and we, we say, I don't know if I can do it. And therefore our spirit comes up. That's why God said we have to do it with our complete person. Our beliefs about God and ourselves are pivotal to developing healthy habits and growing in the Lord. In fact, it is the very thing, God's goodness and our identity, that has been attacked from the fall until now. It is essential for each and every one of us to develop a biblical view of not just God, but ourselves. The hardest thing for you and I to do is to look inward. I don't want to look inward because I always don't like what, what goes on internally. And here's the thing about the internal man. No one else knows what's going on except me and the Lord. That's why your inward man has to be the strongest man emotionally because you, that is where the battle takes place inside your heart, your mind, the place where no one else walks and no one else listens. It's inside of you. And that very thing has been attacked from the very beginning of time. So it's essential that we develop 
what the scripture says about our view of God and ourselves. So throughout the scripture, we are taught that God is good. That's first Chronicles. We're taught that his love is great in first John three and one. We're taught that we are created in his image in Genesis one and 27, that we are loved beyond measure in Psalms one, one thirty nine. See, I, I want to tell somebody tonight Whatever state of mind you walked in this house with, God is for you and not against you. It may seem like everything is caving in on you, like the world is crashing around you and your health is failing and finances aren't where you want them to be and this isn't right and that doesn't seem like it ought to be. But God is for you and he is not against you. And he's got so much more that he wants to impart in you. But before he can sometimes impart in us, we have to make sure that our inward man is complete. Now, the word complete doesn't mean final. It means that it's at a portion of that race that I, okay, I've done this. Now I've got to do this. When I got in the church at an early age of 15, I, I, um, I didn't have it all together. I still said things that weren't right, and I went and did things that weren't exactly right, and it was a process of time, and I tell people all the time, and I especially tell them when I'm up there baptizing them, and they come out of the water, and I I ask them, I said, how does it feel? It feels like a weight is taken off of you that you didn't realize was there. They're like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it feels. And I look them in the eye, and I tell them, you live for God one day at a time. You put one foot in front of the other, walking closer to the Lord, and let the Lord take care of the rest. I believe that as long as we're moving forward, whether it's a full step or a half step, or we're complete, full-on sprinting, the Lord is going to honor us with grace and mercy. I read an article this afternoon, and it's funny, the perception that was given. It was talking about... Brazilian jiu-jitsu and it talked about the different belts that they have and when you become uh, into jiu-jitsu they talk about uh, or karate or whatever it may be you have a white belt it's the beginning belt right they kind of give those out as a participation belt you're here here's a belt that holds up your gi so y'all didn't know I had a little kung fu in me did you it's all right to laugh on Wednesday. We'll, we'll get there. And, and then you go white and green, and then it's blue or purple, and then it goes all the way up to black belt. And it was asked. They held up the lowest belt, which was white, and the greatest belt, which was black. And it was asked, which belt is the hardest to obtain? And the obvious answer, I was sitting there going, oh, the black belt. It's the pinnacle of success. It's the hardest one. And the answer is really the white belt. Because the greatest battle is ever starting and putting it on. And most people don't want to look in the mirror and start the process of emotional healing. Because it's tough. As I stood in this pulpit a couple years ago, pastor asked me to give my testimony. Maybe some of you remember it. I dealt with subconsciously many things in my life due to my very um, rough 
upbringing or lack thereof, I should say. And I dealt with stuff that I didn't realize I dealt with because of situations and circumstances that I was placed in as a kid all the way up until 15 years of age. And it was on that Sunday that I stood in this pulpit and shared my testimony. Pastor said, don't preach it, just talk. Which, If you know me, it's very hard for me to do. Um, I love to talk, but I also get really excited when I talk. And I stood here in this pulpit, and as I stood here and shared what God, I looked in the face for weeks. I gathered information on things that I didn't know were true about me and, and about my life. And I, I, I stood in this pulpit, and it was the very moment that God healed me internally of things that I didn't even know I was dealing with. But it took someone, a man of God in my life, to go, you need to talk about this. And I had to do some digging into me. And what I was dealing with, your greatest step to emotional healing is going to be just starting. Amen. Our thoughts build our beliefs because of this. It is vital to refuse to entertain any negative or harmful thoughts that disagree with what God says about us. We can get so weighed down sometimes with our own thoughts and how we perceive ourselves, even how we think others perceive us. The Bible tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Sometimes you got to just tell yourself, not everybody's against me. Not everybody, not everybody doesn't like me. There are people that actually like me and you. We got to stop believing the lie of the enemy that tells you that you have no worth, you have no value, that you're just insignificant in the church. You are vital to the kingdom of God and vital to this assembly. So one could ask, is emotional health a spiritual issue? God created us as multidimensional beings. We are physical, we are spiritual, and we are emotional. God wants peace for every one of us. Peace, if you look it up in Hebrew, it refers to wholeness, completeness, safety, soundness, and fullness. What the Lord wants from us in this house tonight is he wants us to be whole, not only in our physical body, but in our spiritual man, in our emotional man. He wants us to have peace, a peace that passes all understanding. First Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 in the NLT version reads this way. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Look at the next part. And may your whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So not only does the Lord want to make me holy with H-O-L-Y, he wants to make me whole, W-H-O-L-E, in everything that makes me who I am. My mind, my body, and my spirit. My physical, my spiritual, and my emotional man. That's what God wants. God doesn't want me dragging around the, the weight. The Bible says, lay down the weight and the sin. We lay down the sin with no problem. But so many times we walk in the house of God and we still drag a weight of somebody doing us wrong. We drag a weight of past mistakes and failures and all these things. We got to lay it down. We got to cut it off because God wants me to be whole. 
So how can we be the hands and the feet of Christ when we come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and prayer meetings and sometimes we feel so isolated, so veneered, so invulnerable. We smile the appropriate smile. We say the appropriate prayer, yet we seemingly never get to where we can get real with God and ourselves. It's easy to cry to the Lord in our prayer closet and say, God, I'm struggling. I need you. And we say, God, I want to get real with you. But it's really hard to get real with me. I love what Pastor Shock says, and I do it every day. I look at this, this beautiful God-given face, and I say, Tim Barber, you are not going to win today. You do not have this day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I have to, you have, sometimes you have to talk to yourself. You have to tell yourself, self, you ain't going to win. The Lord has better for me. Right? Amen. According to a study by Jocelyn Rebez, there is a significant correlation between emotional health and spiritual maturity. Rather than pulling us away from our faith, it appears the more healthy we become emotionally, the more healthy and mature we become spiritually. So how can I get to a place where I get real with God and real with myself? A place where I can be emotionally healthy while growing to become spiritually mature. Number one is serving. Everybody say serving. One of the greatest things we can do as individuals in the kingdom of God is to serve. Serving is not a thing that each of us do. It is the thing that each and every one of us can do. It doesn't take a special talent. It doesn't take a special skill. You don't have to meet a certain uh, requirement in order to serve serve the kingdom of God. You just simply have to make yourself available. You have to come to the realization that there is things to be done in the kingdom of God. And if it's going to be done, we have to have the mindset that says, it's up to me. A cartoon showed a picture of a woman lying in her bed, sick, so sick. She could barely lift her head off the pillow. She could barely talk. It was a, a mere whisper. She was obviously in misery and the In the sink over to the left were a stack of piled dirty dishes, seemingly weeks worth of dishes. And over to the right was a huge basket of clothes to be ironed and uh, folded and separated. They sat nearby. There was two dirty kids running all over the house, creating chaos. They were fighting over here and fighting over there. And in the other corner of the room, there was a cat licking up just the, the spilled leftovers of milk and food, uh, the pile and the mess that was around. And there stood in the doorway a smiling woman stood there in this doorway of this cartoon and the caption above her head said well Florence if there's anything I can do to help don't hesitate to let me know all this stuff is around the dishes need to be washed clothes need to be separated kids need to be given baths and 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 the cat needs to be taken out to the woodshed I'm a dog guy sorry All these things to do. And she's standing in the doorway going, well, if you need something from me, just don't hesitate to ask. Sometimes we shouldn't have to ask for help. We just 
dive right in and put our hand to the plow. We have a saying in the business uh, that I'm in, I sell Coke, a cola. (laughs) Woo, glory to God. Uh, I think, Brother Greg, that was a time where I dug down behind the pulpit. I sell the real thing. I mean, what can I say? We have a saying in our business that if you're told no to ask again, and if you're told no a second time, just do it because it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission sometimes. Sometimes it's okay to just take somebody a meal and give them a card. And I know uh, Sister Johnston, my wife, was uh, just to use as an example, my wife was in bed for two and a half weeks. She's been battling sickness, various sicknesses for almost seven weeks now. And she was in bed for two and a half weeks with a migraine, couldn't get out of the bed. And she got a couple cards from several ladies in the church. And Sister Johnson was one of those. And that just made, all, made my wife light, light up, just made the day. They, I didn't call and say, hey, my wife is in bad shape. She can't get out of bed. My kids are tired of scrambled eggs and toast because that's all I can cook in the kitchen. It's too cold to grill. I can grill. I just can't get the timing down. I need, I need prayer for the kitchen. And I, was, you know, I didn't have to ask. They just sent them. Sometimes the best way to get out of my issue is by serving someone else. Now, this story that I told this is cute and it's comical depiction of how life really is sometimes. The fact is God does not save us so we can just sit. He saved us so we can serve. Just as there's no such thing as a non-functioning member of our human body, every every portion of your body has a purpose. There should be no such thing as a non-functioning member of the body of Jesus Christ. If the Lord saved me from sin, he's called me to serve. I'm going to say that again because I'm going to, as pastor says, I'm going to amen myself. If he has saved me from sin, he saved me to serve. My father-in-law makes this statement one time. We were in a sectional youth rally and he says, they were giving testimonies from some of the men of God. And he says, I want to thank God today that the Lord has saved me from myself. Sometimes the greatest enemy is not the devil. Uh Uh-oh. We blame him too much. We give him too much praise and credit when really he's not the problem. It's me. And I need the Lord to save me from me. Amen. God not wants to use me to serve because God has imparted into each and every one of us certain gifts and certain abilities. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Work until you can't work no more. Serve until you can't serve anymore. If we take the focus off of our lives and we put that energy into the kingdom of God and the church, we will begin to see our minds will be at peace. We'll lay down at night, not stress about the bills and not stress about my physical health because I'm taking care of myself emotionally. 
Because my, my focus is not on me, it's on someone else. Can I tell you, the more time that you can put into the kingdom, the more energy you can put that give of yourself in the church in any capacity, your emotional man will become slowly whole. Serving around the church is great. Pick up trash. I mean, I... I I just, I only testify, I can, testimony I can say is what I do. I, I walk by and if I see a, a piece, I, I love mints. I love the mints and glory to God. We got these breast savers back in there. We need to pray that we, she, Sister uh, Autumn continues to find them because I eat a pack of service. Not because my breast stinks, just because I like mints. But sometimes I reach my pocket to grab one and paper will fall down. And I'm like, oh, I got to bend down. I may look funny bending down, bending down like with a leg up because I don't want to throw the back out or don't want to fall down. <laughs> if you fall down, just lift your hands and start praying, I guess. Some people think it's spiritual. Just pick up, pick it up. Take ownership of the house of God. Take pride in the house of God. Amen. When, when I'll tell, I don't mean to be full of stories. I'm trying to move along. But when I know this is going to look bad on me. But God has given me so much wisdom in 22 years of marriage. When my wife and I, I didn't have anything growing up. But when my wife and I got, bought our first car, it was a, I don't even know the year, but it was a Grand Prix SE. It was sweet. It was, had the, the, I don't know if, I can never know the difference between a sunroof and a moonroof. But it went out the car and it was black. It was cool. And when it come time to get in, I, my wife, I, if you've ever ridden in my car, my rugs are, I have rugs in my car because I don't want to get my carpet dirty. I'm very OCD about that. And I, my wife would get in the car and I say, oh, yeah, yeah, could you just clack your feet a little bit? <laughs> I know, ladies, it wasn't real smart, but I did because I took pride in what I was paying for. When we come into the house of God, we got to take, this is not, pastor says it many times, he says, this isn't my church, this is your church. This is our church. And we want to present the church, the church of the living God, in the best way that we can possible. So not, let's not forget, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, we've heard that, pick up the trash, pull weeds, do this, you know, pick just do whatever you can in the church, make it look good. But let's not forget about serving each other. Amen. Hold the door for somebody. Amen. Amen. I, I, my, uh, Brother Austin, I love our parking lot team. They're so good. My wife came and, and, um, to church and she... I think it was raining or, or snowing real bad or something. And Brother Austin got out and my wife pulled up and I was already uh, in, the, in, in the service doing pre-service prayer. And my wife pulls up and Brother Austin took my wife's car. I mean, valet, who knew? I'm, I'm telling you, the key to the, the paying off the church is valet parking. He valet parked her at the bus barn and when it was done, I sent my 18-year-old son to go get it. Because that's the kind of dad I am. But when I serve others, it brings joy into my life. So we're going to talk about that. How does serving bring joy? It's when I can realize that not everything revolves around me, around my life situations, and everything that's going on with me. There used to be a song that said, Let me, let's talk about me, let's talk about I, or something like that. 
Talk about the, it always want to talk about me. When I begin to put effort into someone else's life, that's when true joy comes into my life. Let's look at Romans 7 and 6. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Paul was telling the church of Rome, the born again believers, that we have been delivered from the law, delivered from our sins. The old me, the old me is all about serving me. What does good to me? What makes me feel good? That's the law. The old me only cared about what made me happy, what was best for my life and what only concerned me and what pleased me. But Paul said, we're not about that anymore. We're not on the new law, on the old law. We are in the newness of the spirit. So when we are born again believers, we take on the personification of servanthood. True joy doesn't come from self-satisfaction. It comes when I understand that I'm called to be a servant and that it's not for my benefit. I'm called to work in the kingdom and my name may never be mentioned. I may never get a pat on the back. I may never get a good old attaboy. I may never get anything, but I'm not doing it. See, serving is not just horizontal. It starts vertically. And when I can get it right vertically and I serve horizontally, God opens up the windows of heaven and begins to pour out a blessing in our lives. Paul said, I've delivered you from that. And then we're to serve. If you see a need, feel the need. It's, I know it sounds so complex, but it's really simple. If we see a need in someone's life, we simply respond to that need. I'm not to have an understanding sometimes that or I am to have understanding, excuse me, that when I become born again, it's not about me any longer and my wants. I'm commissioned to serve in the kingdom of God. The second one is, letter B is inclusion. Everybody say inclusion. Everyone wants to be included. Amen. No one wants to be left out of the group. No one wants to be excluded from, from the friend group that does, goes out to eat or hangs out. No one wants to be the kid picked last on the basketball court. Right? I have a theory about that. I stand on the word, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So sometimes being last ain't always the, a bad thing. But nobody wants to be the last guy or the last girl. Everybody wants to be included. Whether we deny it or not, no one likes to be alone all the time. No one wants to be by themselves all the time. No one can live without relationships. Healthy. Let me say, let me put it that way. No one can be emotionally healthy and live without relationships. God put it in every fiber of who we are as a people to be a part of something. When I get to the place where I'm actively engaged on a weekly basis, I no longer feel as if I'm just looking from the outside on the, to the inside to see what's going on. You say, well, Brother Barbara, it's just not me to go up there and worship, but there is so busy. I say, come on, get up here where the fire is. Oh, come on now. Amen. We used to sing old songs, you know, you, you knew if you sing, he's God and the Father, he's God on the platform, he's God back at the door. 
I mean, everybody was running and shouting and dancing. It's okay. You may, you, where you are, make wherever you are a place of worship. Get in that place, that mindset that says, I'm not here for me. That's why it's called a service, because we're here to worship the Lord. Amen. There's no greater feeling than when you go from being a spectator to an active participator. A spirit of ownership comes along with serving in the church. See, serving in the church gives us emotional strength because we feel a sense of belonging, and that feeling of belonging gives us structure in our lives. When I can understand that God wants me not to just come to church, but he wants me to be the church. He doesn't want me to come and just get a gold star put on my chart that says, I was here on Sunday. Oh, I was here on Wednesday. I checked that box. God wants to give you an, an anointing. Oh, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. God wants to pour out his spirit upon each and every member of the body. But in order to be and receive that, we have to be emotionally healthy. And the way we become emotionally healthy is we include ourselves into the kingdom of God. It's easy to stand on the outside and say, oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Mm, I wouldn't have said it that way. It's easy to have an opinion when you're not in the thick of the battle. God's called us to take up the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith and to move forward in the kingdom of God. It takes everybody. Let us not be a statistic that is around in the religious world that says uh, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Let us be 100% of everybody joining in, doing what they can, including themselves in the kingdom of God. You say you don't matter. Your pinky toe says you matter. You stub that on the bed. Uh, I, I, I remember when we, my kids are little and my daughter Heidi, uh, thank God she's not in here. She sleeps walk, sleepwalks bad as a kid. She slept walk walk so bad and there's no scarier feel you really won't fear in your life you'd be asleep and like this right here at three o'clock in the morning and your kid is right in your face going dad 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 and they're totally asleep yeah i had to tell my daughter you're gonna have to start going to your mom's side because <laughs> that's the kind of husband i am <laughs> and i remember my my, 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 my daughter would come in and she would always want to sleep with us. Well, old dad would say, no, you're going back to your bed. And I'd take her back to her bed and she'd get up because at that time I was getting up about 3.30 in the morning and, and going to work. And she would go around to mom's side and as hard as my wife works around the house and with the kids and being a stay-at-home uh, mom and making the home and so forth, she's exhausted tonight. It became a ritual. My daughter would go over and go, mom. And my wife would just sit up in the bed and my daughter would crawl behind her and she wouldn't snuggle up next to Lacey. She would snuggle up next to me and I'm on the edge of the bed like this. I guess the only blessing of that was the kid wasn't in my face going, dad, dad. 
So I got to a point one night where I, I, I nudged my wife and I said, babe, you got to take Heidi back to her room. I got to get up in like 45 minutes and I, I'm exhausted. So my wife gets up. She's carrying my daughter and on the end of our bed, you, the older beds, they, they had a big old footboard, big solid wood footboard. And she's carrying my daughter. And all of a sudden I hear a thoo, a thud and a oh. And I, I woke up. And I didn't see my wife or my daughter anywhere. And my daughter, who was still talking in her sleep, and my wife is carrying her. My daughter, my wife, had thought she had passed the end of the bed, but missed it by an inch. And her toe hit the end of the bed, and her shin hit it, and she went head over heels. It was at that moment she realized how important that pinky toe and that shin really is in her life. So we can't sit there and say, oh, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a Bible study teacher. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I don't play music. I don't sing. We can't discredit who we are because we're all made in the image of God. We got to get so emotionally healthy that we walk around not with a pride, but with a holy boldness that says, I am a child of God, that God created me exactly like he wants me to be and there is something I can do in the kingdom and it includes my brother and my sister. So my third point tonight concerning how to be emotionally healthy is by serving is found through connection. Everybody say connection. And I've got to hurry. One of the biggest reasons why people serve is that it is a way to get them connected with people that they may normally never connect with. Serving pairs you with people who have similar interests to accomplish a common goal. It can't be enough for us to just come and to be present and just occupy the sanctuary. We've got to be connected to the church, connected to each other by any means necessary. Because that is what keeps us when we feel like we have no one and nowhere else to turn. It's my connection to you. It's your connection, hopefully, to me. That when you feel like your world is falling down, I know I can look over there and I can see brother so-and-so. Or I can look back there and I can see sister so-and-so. Because I have made a connection at some point in time of me coming to the church that says, I, I, I know I'm not feeling the greatest, but man, brother so-and-so is really giving it all. And it boosts who I am. My emotional health that makes me rise up and say, I can do this. With God, I can make it. Because connection was made. Look at 1 John 3 and 18. Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Ooh, that's powerful. How many times have we walked by somebody and go, hey, love you, bro. Love you, sis. How many times? I've stopped. I'm trying to get better about saying, hey, how are you doing? Because I don't want someone to tell a story, and I don't want to tell a story. So now I try to say, hey, it's so good to see you. I care about how you're doing. But sometimes people say, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm good. Because I know how to give the appropriate smile and give the appropriate answer. Because... We're taught not to open up and show that we have weaknesses and that we're human. We're supposed to be superhuman and super spiritual. 
But let's let the rubber hit the road for a moment. We all have flaws. We all have shortcomings. We all have struggles in our life. And it's the inclusion and it's the serving that brings joy. And it's the connection that keeps me. My connection to God is my greatest connection, but my connection with you and your connection with your brother and your sister beside you, your horizontal connections is what establishes you in the church. Our goal as a church is to take the whole gospel to the whole world. I need you and you need me and we got to have each other in order to accomplish this great task. Romans 12 and 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members of one another. Romans 1 and 12. That I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Never in a, a thousand years did I dream that I would be in Terre Haute, Indiana. When I lived in Raleigh, North Carolina, I never heard of Jasper, Indiana, where I moved to to marry my beautiful wife, Lacey. And then when we, we, we were there as student pastors and we started a church and we pastored and we did all those things, I never dreamed that I would resign that church because God was calling me to some, uh, something greater and to sit under a, our great pastor and to be connected with New Life Fellowship. Never did I dream that I would be connected with you on, on a level that we're connected. We don't know what God has in store for us through our connections. It's because sometimes some of you have walked by me and said, hey, Brother Barber, they've given me words of affirmation when they didn't know I was feeling down and low. And we can't, we can't be the type of people that just pass people by. We got we to speak faith into each other's life. We're not, oh my God, we're not going to get affirmation of the Spirit outside of the church. It's our job to tell you, Brother Kurt, you are a man of God. You are anointed. You are a powerful praying man. It is our, our job to tell oh man, I loved it when you pray. We got to put our pride down and realize it's not about me. It's about him in me. But I want to be emotionally healthy, so I've got to be horizontally correct. Somebody say amen. If we can ever get connected, not just to Jesus, not just to his word, but if we can be connected one to another, we will become the church that God has called us to be. It would be easy to look at our salvation that's been given to us as fire insurance. In other words, to say, I'm coming because I just don't want to be lost. But God has saved us from so, for so much more. Once I got into the church, that's the time to get connected. That's the time to go show the world what the Lord has done in, in, in your life. If the Lord was ever looking for a church to be con a connected church, it would be the day that we live in. The world is looking for people that know how to touch the throne of God. They're looking for a church that when they walk in, they feel unity. They feel peace and they feel love because the body is an emotional, healthy body. The second point is honor and respect. When we are emotionally healthy, we carry with us honor and respect. Now, this is not only for the church and leadership, but it is honor and respect one toward another. Respect and honor are more than just pleasantries. It is something that we become and strive to have every day in our lives. 
My kids got uh, braces a couple years ago, and I don't. I may have told this, so forgive me and just indulge it here for a moment. They were sitting in the orthodontist office, and um, the orthodontist was there talking to them, and I was just sitting there listening, expecting the great big Honda Civic cost of braces that it is, and and. I left the room and my kids, they had to do some moldings and my kids come out and, and I said, how did it go? And they said, well, the orthodontist said, was your dad in the military? And I said, what? And they're like, and they said, no, sir. And they're like, why would you ask? I said, because I've never seen or had kids that said, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, please, and you're welcome. And all. I, so I thought your dad was in the military. And second visit we went in where they actually put him on, I said, hey, Dr. K, I said, just want you to know I wasn't in the military. I just believe in honor and respect elders. When my kids went to public school, they came home and the top of it said, Miss Julie or Mr. Todd or whatever. I said, my, who's your teacher? Oh, it's Miss Julie. I said, no, no, no. What's her last name? And it would say wire. I said, okay, so she's Miss Wire to you. I taught, this is me. I told my kids, you don't ever call an adult by their first name. You honor and you respect them. That's me. I'm from the South. Maybe it's a Southern thing like Bojangles. But honor and respect is more than a yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Though I believe that we should do that. We should teach our kids that to be respectful and uh, of leadership and, and elders in the church and so forth and so on. I think that that is necessary in our lives. Proverbs 21 and 21, he that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness and honor. So if you follow after righteousness and mercy, you'll find life and righteousness and honor. It's, so respect is and honor is something you have to pursue. Mm. You just don't learn to say thank you and yes ma'am and no ma'am. I've always said from the moment I met Pastor Harpole and I knew this was the place that we were going to come, I've never called him Brother Harpole. Now this is me. Because I established who he was in my life from the very beginning. Because when I, when I call who in North Carolina, Bishop Huntley, I never called him Brother Huntley or Brother Ballestero. I called them Pastor, now Bishop Huntley or Pastor Ballestero because what I am doing is I'm showing them honor and respect. And not only that, but I'm giving them authority over my life. I'm telling you that you are my pastor. And if you say no, no, it is. If you say yes, yes, it is. If you say don't go there, I'm not going to go there. Honor and respect gives the person in that place the authority to speak into your life. Honor and respect is not just what we give each other, but it's how we position ourselves. When we position ourselves in the correct manner of respect and honor, we not only become emotionally healthier, but we also obtain authority in our lives. Now here, here, let me explain what I'm trying to say. In Genesis, when God created Adam, 
God said, you know, I created all these beautiful things and he's somebody to tend it. He looked down into the dirt and he created Adam. I, you know, us men, we're just glorified dirt balls. That's all we are. God breathed into us the breath of life and God goes, you know what? I think I could do better. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God said, you know what? I'm going to put Adam to sleep. I'm going to take a rib out and I'm going to form Eve. It was a process, not of just creation, but what God was doing was establishing honor and respect and authority. He wasn't just creating to create. He was creating in such a way that was given us of how we are to honor and respect and how it should be given. Because the the Lord being the head, the beginning, we must always seek to honor him with everything that we are and everything that we have. Amen. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with what? The substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So why? Here's why. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy first fruits and all thine increase. Why? So that shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Our honor and our respect begins right here in the house of the Lord. It starts with me returning my first fruit of all my increase back to the Lord. I truly believe that not only can you not outgive God, but when you give God of the first, The word is established that if you'll return to me the first of your increase, then I'm going to take your barns and I'm going to fill them up. And out of that new wine is going to burst forth. I believe that what, oh my God, I'm trying not to preach right now within the next seven minutes. But I believe that what we're doing in our giving and our sacrificial giving that we are putting into the storehouse. We're giving of our first fruits and our increase because God said, I want to build a church in this city. And because we're doing that, hear me, I feel a prophetic utterance in my spirit. There is coming an anointing. There is coming a bursting forth of new wine, not just as a corporate body, but on an individual level. I wish somebody received that right now. That God is about to outpour a double portion of anointing on you. God is about to answer prayers that you prayed for 20 years. God's about to give you the job that you never thought you could have. God is about to do it. Mm, My God. But it starts with positioning ourselves in the right place. So honor and respect begins with God. Secondly, God created Adam, the first man. He formed him from the dust, breathed into him. He, he put Adam as the head of the home. Home is the place where honor and respect begin. What we say at our tables and in our living rooms will carry over in the chairs of the church. If we honor and respect leadership that God has placed in our lives and over our lives in our homes, it's easy, hear me, it's easy to show honor and respect when you come to the church. Men, husbands, God is calling us to be men. As Brother Brown said, preached, spoke one time, he said, quit yourself like men. It's time for us to be men. God's calling us to change our conversations in our home. If we're to be emotionally healthy as individuals we have to, and have emotionally healthy homes, it has to start with us men. 
God has placed us in a place of authority under God in our homes, not to dictate, but to facilitate honor and respect in our families. If we are to have authority, we must be under authority. Authority starts with honor and respect in the church and among each other. So let's position ourselves in a way that makes it easy to honor and respect each other. Honor and respect everyone that we come in contact with in this house. Practicing honor allows inward strength because we recognize each other. When we position ourselves to show and give this honor and respect, in essence, we're allowing ourselves to gain the strength we need to fight back against self-will. Resist the temptation of falling back to where we were before we came to God. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to honor the Lord. I want to show honor to the Lord and respect to the family of God. My family, your family. I want my kids to come to your house and them say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. I want that respect to overflow from my table into the church. Here's what honor and respect does. Honor and respect in the church allows you to see me and allows me to see you. When we recognize authority, it will open the door to guidance. It's hard, uh, it's hard for somebody to tell you, give you instruction when you don't respect them. It's hard to honor someone if you don't respect them. But if I create an atmosphere that allows me to honor and respect them, and they come to me and they say, Brother Barbara, you, I've noticed lately this, this, and this, and they are in a position over me, I will absolutely fall in a place of repentance and ask the Lord to help me and seek guidance. Honor and respect open the gateway for guidance in your life. Somebody say amen. A person cannot be given direction or guidance unless they truly honor and respect the person speaking into their life. Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they must give an account. Give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. We always want to leave off that last part. See, God has placed a pastor directors and leaders in all of our lives not to just tell us what to do but to guide us into the way called everlasting we can rest assured that when we are emotionally healthy we have no issues with honor and respect because honor and respect creates unity it builds unity the third thing is communication a lot of relationships can be built or damaged by communication It's not only what we speak to each other, but it's also how we say it. So to solidify that we are maturing in our walk with God, we can gauge it by how we communicate one to another. Communication is the solvent of all problems and is the foundation for personal development. Great communication begins with connection. Everything that we've heard here tonight has brought us to this final part of this lesson. So for the church to be emotionally healthy, the people have to be emotionally healthy. And communication is a key to part of that. 
Our connection with God is determined by my communication with him in prayer. That's vertical. My communicate, my connection with you, with each other, is also based on my communication with you daily. That's horizontal. If my relationship vertically is right, it's hard to build it will be hard to not build correctly a relationship that's horizontal. So how can communication help me to be emotionally healthy? Colossians 4 and 6. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. I understand tonight that not everyone grows at the same rate in the kingdom. Not everyone is going to have it all together at the same time. But Paul is admonishing the church to have grace when you communicate. Season it with salt just a little bit so you answer in the correct way. We have to get beyond what our natural man sees and start speaking into the supernatural realm of our lives. As you stand with me tonight, I'm, I'm closing with this. Lifting up each other up is not a compliment of our outward appearance but an affirmation of faith. I don't know about you tonight, but I want to serve. I want to bring joy. I want to bring purpose. I want to be included. And then most of all, I want to be connected to the church. I must make sure that I honor and that I respect the church and the leadership of the church and the people of God. And most of all, I want my communication to be in such a way that I create an atmosphere of faith among the family of God. That when you walk in and you're going through something, you say, oh, Brother Barbara, would you pray for me? I'm struggling with this situation. I don't say, yeah, you know what happened to me last week? <laughs> yeah, I've been dealing with, with this. So I don't want to be that. Yes, we all got to have somebody to talk to about our problems. I'm not saying we don't. But what I am saying is that there's sometimes all we need is a kind word and a soft answer. I believe our, our relationship vertically is 100% correct. We're working on that every day. But in order for the church to be emotionally healthy, we have to work on our relationships that are horizontal. The old song used to sing, you're my brother, you're my sister. So take me by the hand. And when we're united together, there's no foe that can defeat us. The Bible says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. Two can do it, but a threefold cord. I believe that when you and I link together and we say to each other, I'm here for you. You're not alone in this. God is for you. God is on your side. But I'm with you also. I'm here with you. What do you need? Don't stand there and look at the dishes and look at the laundry and say, if you need anything, just ask me. If you see a brother or sister in need, reach out and say, what can I do in this moment? Let me do it now. Father, we thank you now. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you are God and you are sitting on a throne. You are high and lifted up. That this is your church that you are the Lord of this church and you are the King of your people. I pray right now, Father, that you would help us, Lord, as a church, as a body of believers 
here in this city, in this county, in this, this region, God, that you would help us. Unite us, Lord. Help us to become emotionally healthy. That way we're strong for one another. That we're here for one another. That we cannot be taken down by the lies of the enemy. We cannot be discredited, Lord, by our past and our failures. But, Lord, that we pick each other up. That we take each other by the hand and we move the kingdom of God forward. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice and those that are watching tonight, God. I pray that there be connections made in the body for everybody is, is important and vital to the kingdom of God. I pray, Lord, for strength to be given in this house that we will find a place to serve and do it with all of our might. In Jesus' name.